Hello, this is Daniel Vayon. I've been podcasting for almost two years, and I just about a month ago found out how to submit, um, manually submit my feed to Apple Podcasts. Well, anybody's getting into podcasting and wants Apple Podcasts, their show on Apple Podcasts, come here and use Anchor Podcasts. Hello. Um, this is Daniel Vea. Um, don't know how well y'all can hear me. So I'm just gonna share this quick. Um, I host a podcast on anchor.fm <coughs> and it's usually about old wrestling shows, and I try to record video. We're talking about um, current wrestling, so I can share it onto a website. And I'm gonna try to use this um, website or app to. See if I can, um, share, share my views and add it on that website that I'm talking about, that I'm thinking of, excuse me. And, um, I'll just go to that and I'll just be honest that, uh, I'm really, I'm really, um, curious, I'll just put it that way. When, uh, this past Monday night they had, last Friday, I think, they had, or Monday, Monday before last Monday, they had a, um, brand new superstar from NXT debut going against Asuka, I believe, and Diana Peraza, I believe, was her name. Then they had the tag team partner, Chelsea Green, debut on Raw this past Monday night. So it really shows how um, it's good. It's really being on USA Network has brings a lot more viewers to NXT, but it also it also gives Newer, newer stars, bigger opportunity, and that's what the first match was about. First match last night was for the North American title, and they, I, I think they had said that it was a um, open challenge. So, buddy from Evolve came out, and it was his name was Austin Theory. He was a former, is a former bodybuilder as you can see based on how he's built doesn't he doesn't have um six pack the way that most bodybuilders do but he's still built enough to where you can tell he's to be a bodybuilder and uh the amazing thing is that he's actually of, he actually did a great job 
in this match. He is a part of Evolve, but that's um the one thing though is that if you don't watch Evolve and I've never watched it before, so I don't know how good any of them are, but the fact that I think he kept up with Roderick Strong is a big deal because Roderick Strong, going back to Ring of Honor when he was TV champion, I think before he left there to go to NXT, he's one of the best um, that you have, not just in NXT, but in the business itself. So, that's what was really impressive about him. It's usually when you see bodybuilders, they either have power moves, but they're very limited, or um, they have a hard time knowing where to take the match. If a match starts in some place, they have a hard time knowing what when to do certain moves at a certain point in the match. He seemed to be right on point against um, Roderick Strong. That's very impressive. Roderick Strong being, um, I don't like the nickname. I'll say this, almost like the, uh, I really don't know what to call, how to paraphrase the nickname of the backbreaker as they call him. I don't know how to paraphrase that. I'll say it like this, the master. Master of the backbreaker, and I just saw a version of that when he caught Austin Theory in midair and ended it with the backbreaker. That was one example, and then I think he, yeah. He did, did two different backbreakers, and a, a, he did an Olympic slam outside of the ring onto the guard, onto the ring post. And then he did a, possibly a backbreaker um, one other time, and then a backbreaker over the turnbuckle, the top turnbuckle, and... Um, he won, Roderick Strong did, by doing a version of the, uh, Boston Crab and putting his knees against Austin Theory's, uh, back to make him submit. So this was, you know, a lot of this, the only crazy stunt I saw was Austin Theory picking up Roderick Strong looking almost like it was a, um, gonna be a cradle shock like Chris Saban used to use. And instead of slamming him, he just, he just, uh, put him against his knee, back against his knee or something, and then he did it again on the ring apron, and because Roderick Strong landed on the edge of the ring apron, I think he probably saved himself a lot of literal pain and possible injury, so that was smart on uh, both guys' parts. <clears throat> what was really interesting was how they used the set for SmackDown 
to do this, to do the show, and they even, uh, actually, I think they used a regular NXT ring, but, uh, hmm, never mind, they used the SmackDown ring, except that instead of being blue ropes, it was silver ropes with the WWE emblem in it, so, so you know it's a holiday show. Because they they would usually have NXT letters on the ring, uh, turnbuckle pads. Jack Gallagher versus Isaiah Swerve Scott. The reason this was a great match because he had a lot of catch us catch can wrestling, like not just the lockup and the rest like, but he also had uh, working on the shoulder, like the Anderson family used to do. Oli and Jean, and then later on, Oli and Arn. And when you see, when the revive, when the tag team, the revival, or, um, when they're booked the right way, they work that same way. So, it's, um, it is old school, and it's traditional, but it's also... They really want to make a statement about the way the business should go. That's the way to do it because they have a tendency to go forward instead of going with what truly works. So that's what I think is great about NXT. You can see right here Jack Gallagher was going for an armbar of some kind and that was, uh, I think, might have been countered by, um, by Swerve. And, as a matter of fact, he countered it with a backbreaker, believe it or not. So that was great counter-rustling. Even went for like a cross arm breaker, it looked like. So this was really great wrestling in that sense. Then when Swerve got out of it, he went for the finisher, got the fit, got the three count. The finisher is, it's like he runs, jumps in midair, and hits them with the, kicks them right in the, the side of the face. And that is a great, that was a great match itself. Um, Doug Gallagher going against Swerve, I think that that pretty much solidifies that he's, he's no longer cruiserweight. So that's going to be interesting to see in the next, uh, few months what they do with him. He... He could go back to the cruiserweight division at any time, or he could, we could uh, stay in the mid court and go after the North American title. Next, Hinora went against um, Mrs. Johnny Gargano, Mrs. Johnny Gargano. Uh, Candice LeRae.
Tainora is a black belt in possibly jujitsu, because that seems to be getting popular now. And uh, Norm and I had only seen a couple of matches myself with Tainora, and she would always seem to use her background in jujitsu or whatever it is, but I really think it's jujitsu as an advantage. But Candice LeRae has been in the business a long time, so she's somebody that um, she was not ready for in the respect of uh, in the respect of being able to handle your opponents. She was not ready for Candice LeRae in that respect. She got out of the ring to avoid a uh, top rope maneuver, and she gets hit with a baseball slide. That shows she wasn't ready for Candace. Candace takes her down with a crossbody from the bottom rope, springboard off the bottom rope, so really shows she wasn't ready for Candace Thoray, or what Candace Thoray was uh, capable of. <sighs> One mistake Candace Thray made was just standing in the middle of the rope and um, instead of jumping off right away, she waited too long and she got pulled off the middle rope. Her back of her neck hit the top turnbuckle and then after falling, she got hit with a running high knee by Tynora. about her actual ability in the ring. Tynora, she knows how to do a rear chin lock. Candice Ray just hit an Oklahoma roll on her for a two count. So it really shows how but looking at Candice Ray you can see how maybe they should have did this uh, what they call the women's revolution. They should have done it years before they did. That it took um, AJ Lee doing um, what we call, what she would call, give Divas a chance. It took her starting that and then, I don't know what happened, I guess, because of NXT's being uh, the, the best coming almost like a modern-day Mid-South Wrestling, where just everybody they used, and specifically the women, Triple H said in an interview that the, he always felt that the women were underutilized, and that's why um, we started seeing all the all these great talents like the all four horsewomen starting there, um, and that's um, that's obviously how um, it gave hope for 
the resurgence of the women's division. And, um, that's why in the middle of the, um, I think it was Nikki Bella's, um, historic title reign. In the middle of that title reign was when this whole Divas Revolution got started, and it was because of Charlotte, Becky, and Sasha Banks coming out that, um, that's what really started it, and then adding not, um, the Bellas and Alicia Fox, and then, of course, Naomi, Tamina, and Tamina were with Sasha Banks as a group for a short time, so, along with Paige being a part of a group with Charlotte and Becky Lynch, so that really helped a lot of things. So, when you look at some of the things that Candice LeRae was able to do right here, it really shows how they did, because Vince McMahon specifically did not did not watch wrestling outside of the WWE, so that was it shows his biggest that be has become his biggest um, downfall is not watching the other companies because if he had watched the other companies, it would um, I think he would be able to. To see what um, what is really needed, especially with the women, it's part of why um, part of why um, the women were not so popular because he he focused too much on what made them popular in both the Attitude Era and the Ruthless Aggression Era. Now that it's such a different time, you forgot about the other, you forgot how they had smaller companies that people were paying attention to, and I honestly think he didn't think people were paying attention to that, so that's why he didn't look at it. So, so, Triple H really being the head of NXT, the way he's been the last I don't know how many years now, that has really um, helped NXT. Now it's considered a third brand when in, and at first it used to be just called a, a developmental. That's a big time deal. <clears throat> Candice Theray won this by using a springboard moonsault. And, uh, But I'm really, I'm really looking forward to seeing the possible future new NXT stars that come in the next few months with WrestleMania season starting in Jan next month with uh, Royal Rumble. And I'm really looking forward to seeing who they might come, who might come into NXT and who might leave NXT. That's going to be really interesting. Then they had a vignette of Arturo Ruas, 
and him talking about what he went through as a kid or what he witnessed. And because he was so young, they asked him, how can you remember that? And he said, that's what helped me become a warrior. And it could help me become a fighter also. Because I think he might have studied some other karate and he had done some um, jiu-jitsu and some other forms of martial arts and every discipline he went into became a black belt. So that could be even more interesting to see. Instead of just carrying a black belt with him like Tainara, he actually wears the entire pants of his uniform. I remember seeing him, him a few months ago and I knew when I first saw him he was going to be a big deal. I just didn't uh, know if they had signed him or not so that's what really is amazing to me to see. Um, then next Dijakovic went against Bronson Reed and the most amazing thing about this was he kept on looked like he was going for vertical suplex but Bronson had to keep on he kept on blocking it you know Bronson is uh, not even sure much he weighs, but he's a really big man. It looks like looks like it's hard for for Dijakovic to give him a vertical suplex. So it looked like he literally changed plans in um, in the middle of doing that. So he instead of looking like he was going for a vertical suplex, he just walked in the corner so he could do a throw. He could just throw him across the ring in the form of a vertical suplex. And, uh, then he did a moonsault. That didn't win, but what was really interesting was him using a choke bomb to win. Because it's a sit not just any power bomb, it's a sit down. He picks him up and he slams him like a power bomb. That's why I call it a choke bomb. And that was really interesting to see. Then earlier, when he stopped Bronson from jumping off top rope and he was running to do something, he gets caught in midair by, by Bronson with a fast press. That almost beat him. So, it's going to be really interesting to see the development of Bronson Reed for the next few months. And, uh, see, just a few things like that, he's got a future. It's going to be interesting to see how far a future he has. Then they plug the World Collide. Special that's gonna air the night before Royal Rumble next month. And uh, Bianca Belair next. <clears throat> Went against. Um, I have to look at the name again. Shanti, I believe. I'm not sure. 
Shotzi Blackheart. She has just green hair in her in her hair. This green color in her hair, and to be honest, I don't know why. Before this match, they aired a video package on Bianca Belair. I would always hear them call her the ESD of NXT, and I didn't know why. So, that video package they showed explained everything. Whatever she says about herself ends with ESD, so that's why she calls herself that. Like, however she describes herself, it always ends with ESD, like, greatest, cutest, or whatever word she came up with to describe herself. really interesting was because she was looking to Bianca that is was looking to burst the bubble of Shotzi she took a bubble gum out and blew it to as it was like an object lesson of what she was planning on doing with Shotzi and Shotzi ended up popping it with her hand it was like I was like, man, what am I going to do now to get your attention? <clears throat> Bianca Belair. With the, the attitude she has and the charisma she has. It's very easy to see why Charlotte Flair said she's the future. But she kind of reminds she kind of reminds me of a female version of Charlotte's father, Ric Flair. Except not, she's not flat. She's, I guess you could say she's flashy with her attitude, but she's not flashy with the way she dresses or anything. So, I'd say it's more charisma than anything that we see from her that <clears throat> makes her. Look like the future. The most unbelievable thing I saw from Shotzi was looked like she was going for a DDT on the ring apron with uh, Bianca Belair. Then, then Bianca caught her and hit her with her finisher for the victory. So. So, great, great match. As far as seeing somebody new and not knowing what to expect, it was a great match. And it was really back and forth. She even went in one part. She went, um, Shotzi did. She went to jump off the top rope with something and she landed on her feet. So, once again, if she continues coming on NXT, it's going to be interesting to see what she decides to use from the top rope. Could have been a double foot stomp for all we know, because that's what it looked like she was going for. Damian Priest and Tony Nese against uh, Leo Rush and Keith Lee. What's great about this was because 
both of them were really new, new ta a new tag team on both sides. Made you wonder, how are they going to get along? I think Keith Lee turns out to be an old rival, a former rival of Leo Rush, and they're usually able to work together because they know each other so well. So that was perfect for them to face each other. I mean, to team up with each other. The first um, bit of real action that I can see right here is when Tony Nese chased Leo Rush around ringside and he gets bulldozed by Keith Lee but at the announce table and he lands right where the male um, commentator's chair is. Then they go to commercial break. One part that really is interesting to me is any time Leo Rush does a bottom ropes uh, springboard, he always, I don't know if he's going for a stunner or a diamond cutter, but I, I think they call it a stunner. That was interesting to see him give to, uh, to Tony Nese. Then, I don't really know what Damian Priest was going for, but he did the symbol of arch of being an archer because he called himself Archer of Infamy. Here comes Keith Lee up on the apron. Stop him. Catch him by the throat, push him over the top rope. Throws him into the ring. Catches uh, Tony Nese. <coughs> Midair. With toying with him. Throws him against the uh, barricade. Challenges Damien Priest to go for something. And he catches Priest in midair. Sets him up perfectly so he can hit Tony Nese with him, and then he picks him up, power bomb against the uh, the ring apron. Then he gets takes Tony Nese, puts him in the ring, hits the. I'm I'm trying to remember what you call this. <clears throat> oh yeah, call. I, I said it to myself earlier today that it's. The fireman, a fireman's carry, um, jackhammer. Then he tags Leo Rush, and he lets Leo Rush jump off his his shoulders with the frog splash, which is called final hour for the victory. So, I would say that was a great show, and uh, <clears throat> next Wednesday they're gonna have. Uh, Awards for NXT for New Year's Day, and I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, hope y'all like enjoyed this um me 
doing a recap of NXT, and I hope um, it's accepted by that website. I don't want to use a website because it it may not be it might not sound good. So the person people try that I'm trying to send this to. They may want they might want that to be more of a secret, so I'll just keep it a secret. Thank you and goodbye.